We read bits of the Christmas story. Uh, we're going to look mostly at the first few verses of Luke's Gospel, uh, maybe even look mostly at where questions it raises for us. Uh, so, yeah, let's pray together. Uh, Father, thank you that you speak the Bible. Uh, thank you that uh, your Bible speaks to us about yeah, our experience, um, speaks to us about the world we live in, uh, about the tells us the truth about what has been and what will be. Uh, Father, please do help us to see the reliability of your word. Uh, Father, please help us to trust you yeah, as you speak it to us. In the Lord Jesus, amen. I suspect that uh, most of our friends are more concerned about whether the Christian message is good than they are about whether it's true. Uh, they haven't even thought about whether it's true because they are pretty confident it's not good. Uh, they'll probably only get to thinking about whether it's true or not after they've begun to think that maybe it's wise and possibly it's good. And they can work the other way. Uh, for some people, the sequence is from truth to belief to life, uh, from seeing what's true about reality to realizing that they should believe what's true about reality, to deciding to live what they believe is true. From truth to belief to life. Uh, But some of our friends, and maybe even some of us, are coming at it in a different direction. Uh, From life to believable to truth. Uh, From seeing life lived through the lens of the Bible and seeing it work in other people's lives, from seeing the Bible live through the lens of the Bible and seeing it work, to finding it more believable because they're seeing it work in life, and then to explore and discover whether what they're finding more believable is true to reality. From life to believable to truth. However you approach it and however you find sharing life and speaking the gospel with friends or kids or family, at some stage the question comes up, is any of this actually true? Is any of it actually true? Christians have always thought it is. Uh, Christians have always talked about a, a real man called Jesus and what he really said and what he really did. And we saw an example of that last week in the little section of 2 Peter that we uh, visited. Uh, Peter said he was there and he heard God speak from heaven to Jesus. He said it really happened. Uh, When we read Philippians earlier in the year, Paul talked about Jesus who died and is raised. as something that really happened. Christians Christians have always claimed their message is actually true. It's about what happened in history. Uh, One reason to believe it's true is the connection and fulfillment that we saw poured out last week. Uh, The bits and pieces of the Bible work together. Uh, God said uh, what he would do, and centuries later, he did it. Uh, We can be confident the rest of what he has said will pour out also. One reason to believe the Bible is true is the connection and fulfillment that we saw last week. Another reason is Jesus' attitude to the Old Testament 
and how he set us up to see the New Testament. He teaches us to believe what they say, to trust what they promise, to obey what they command. You can scroll back in our podcast to May if you want to revisit a a talk when when I explored that. Uh, Today I thought I'd show you uh, some reasons to trust that Jesus said what the Gospels claim he said and that Jesus did what the Gospels claim he did. Uh, These sorts of things are important for us. Uh, They're helpful when we're talking with friends as they explore the truth. You might have heard someone say that Christianity evolved into existence, that uh, that, that sort of idea. Uh, maybe you've been told that the stories aren't history. Or maybe you just know a friend who thinks this sort of way. Some people think that truth became tradition, uh, that tradition became legend, that gradually one legend won out over the other legends. A lot of people take that sort of approach to Christmas. And they put Santa and elves on shells and Grinches and Jesus in the same category of made-up story. Two of the four Gospels in the New Testament uh, tell us uh, some of what happened in and around when Jesus was born. Uh, we just read some of Luke, Matthew's the other Gospel that particularly explores it. Then I want to step back to what Luke says about what he says. He doesn't say, hey, can I tell you a story? It doesn't really matter whether it happened or not. I just want you to learn from this story and see how it can change your life. No, before he says anything about Jesus' birth or about the the family that Jesus was born into, Luke says, chapter 1, verse 1, Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. See, Luke didn't write a made-up story. He didn't write a made-up story to hang some life lessons on. He checked what happened. He wrote what happened. Is any of this actually true? Well, Luke is saying, yes, it is true. And whether for your own confidence or for helping your kids or your friends or your colleagues explore it, I want to help you see some more arguments for your explanation, some more reasons to defend the truth. Uh, Luke says he wrote what really happened. Uh, We need to hear what he says about that. We need to see if it fits reality. But first, uh, let's give some time to how we got what Luke wrote. Because we do have what Luke wrote. Uh, We have loads of ancient, thousands of ancient handwritten copies of uh, Luke's Gospel. Actually, sorry, I know we have hundreds of Luke's Gospel, maybe thousands. You can get numbers for... New Testament, but not numbers for Luke easily. Actually, we have lots of copies, lots of handwritten copies. We have variants which let us see the original. In the last year, <laughs> last year or so, there have been lots of talk of variants. 
And we've heard more about Delta and Omicron than the others. Uh, but the World Health Organization hasn't been skipping Greek letters. They're more than halfway through the alphabet, and we can't, I think of two of them. Uh, but there are lots of variants. Uh, they're so-called, they're called variants because they're variants of the original COVID-19 virus. Uh, there are differences that come in as the virus RNA is copied in human cells. Um, sometimes there are changes as those copies are made and then the copies are copied. So you get new variants, new variants. Excellent. It's on the screen. Um, yeah, I found, found this, um, yeah, this diagram, uh, this representation of all of that. Um, see, when someone has the virus, the PCR genetic sequence testing that you hear about is how scientists work out which variant they have and which subtype of, type of that variant. They look at the genetic code. Uh, so these family trees of COVID variants are, uh, are up there. Uh, the different colors represent the different variants, lots of them. Uh, the image on the left shows you the relationship between the variants and a sort of standard family tree sort of style, but turned sideways. The image on the right is the same variants, uh, but the further the dots are from the bottom, the more different they are to the original COVID-19 virus. That's Omicron up the top. The fact that it's so different is kind of why it's been a bit of concern. Let's not go geeky on the science ways. Scientists um, are interested to, um, in what the different variants are, what the different variants do, how infectious they are, how severe the infection is, how quickly the variant makes new subvariants, uh, whether our body's defenses against one variant will help us defend against another. Scientists are seeing and studying the changes that come with copying as they happen. But if they started a game with samples taken from different times and different places, they could rebuild pictures like this. They'd take a few thousand samples from uh, people around the world, uh, taken at different times, they could rebuild these sorts of family trees. They could rebuild a picture of what changes came in with copying they could track back and say, well, it looks like this is what the original was. Now, I know you, were looking, you came here for a science lesson, but let's get back to the Bible. I'm showing you this because changes, uh, you can leave the diagram up, actually. It'll be useful to um, or it'll be referring to, the ideas are there. Um, I'm showing you this because uh, changes came with copying as Luke's gospel began to be spread. So... People sat down and they copied the original. And then those copies were copied. And you have copies of the copy and then copies of the copies of the copy. And so it carries on. And at each level, if any changes that were brought in, brought a variant, another variant, subtypes. Mostly they got it right. They were being careful as they wrote it. But they did make mistakes. Now, we know where they made mistakes because there are variants of Luke. It's the same with the other New Testament books. Uh, some variants are on papyrus, which was the material that people wrote on in those early centuries. Uh, some variants are on parchment, which is, was brought in and began to be used later. Uh, some are written in the older style, all caps, uh, sort of others in lowercase, uh, the, the more, the, which came later. Uh, they're found in different regions in terms of where the documents are discovered by archaeologists. 
Papyrus or parchment, all caps or lowercase, where the document was found, all help contribute to thinking and where all the, how all of these documents are related to one another. There are differences between the copies. The odd spelling mistake, uh, a word skips, or a phrase where they yeah, read a word and then picked up later on in the sentence where that same word repeats and missed the bit in between. Uh, the kind of ways to understand how it happens, small changes that came with copying, small mistakes and differences, although there are the kind of Omicron, Omicron uh, like variants, uh, they're kind of families of text where you can say, yes, someone careless somewhere along the way uh, was involved in the copying. But you can say that because we have them. See, with all those differences between the texts that we have, one option with the differences would be to pick a variant and say, that's the one we're going to stick with. Basically, that's what Muslims did um, fairly early on in the story, but there were variants of the Quran. And so they picked one and burnt all the rest and said, we're sticking with this one. So their family tree starts with no knowledge of what the original was because they just picked one. They can't go back and work it out. The authorized by King James Version and its new equivalent is based on a variant, uh, which is why you won't see footnotes in the New King James uh, saying some manuscripts say, uh, but in NIV, ASV, some of the other modern translations, you have those sort of footnotes. Oh, I think it loses something by doing that. Um, you know, by, uh, but, but by knowing it's based on a variant, I think it helps you get a feel for just how different, how mu- big the differences are between, among the texts. They're not that different. Okay? There's not a vast difference. They're small things. That said, it's by comparing the variants uh, that we can see how small the differences are. It's by building the family tree, the variants, and the subtitles that we can track back towards what Luke wrote. And we can be confident to say we do have what Luke originally wrote. Some minor bits, we're, we're, we're not super confident, but most of it, the vast majority of it, we're very clear. Seeing the variants gives us confidence We've got in Greek what Luke wrote in Greek. With me? We've got in Greek what Luke wrote in Greek. But we've got in English. There are lots of Bible translations. Uh, Some people have been told that the Bible was translated over and over and over uh, from one language into another language into another and another and another and with every translation moving further and further away from what was originally said. I like the telephone game where the first person whispers... Uh, the sky is blue, and they whisper it to the next person, and they whisper and whisper and whisper and whisper, and the tenth person says out loud, disguised boo, and kind of wonder, how did it get from the sky is blue to disguised boo? Now, if the Bible was, had come to us like that, it would be a bit of a worry, wouldn't it? But the Bible isn't words whispered from ear to ear, and it's not translation to translation to translation. Our New Testament is translated directly from Greek. Our Old Testament is translated directly from the Hebrew or bits and pieces of Aramaic. Our Bibles have been translated once, directly from the languages they were written in, by a committee of scholars who pour huge amounts of time and energy into developing an English translation that accurately communicates what the original says. 
Now, occasionally I'll mention uh, in talk something about uh, Greek or Hebrew, but don't let that undermine your confidence in the translations we use. They're the product of careful, meticulous work on the text. And we can be confident to read them as what God speaks to us. Just as uh, the New Testament writers were confident to quote the Hebrew Old Testament in Greek to their first hearers. God speaks it to us. We have what Luke wrote. And Luke wrote what really happened. Uh, Now, lots of the New Testament letters were written before Luke wrote. Uh, He didn't have access to all of them, but he may have heard some. Probably he heard Mark's gospel uh, read. Uh, Certainly he'd heard snippets of the stories about Jesus uh, that Jesus did and said. Luke tells us that he checked what actually happened, then wrote what actually happened. I'll read again those verses from the beginning of chapter 1. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word that delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things that have been taught. So he aimed to write a thorough, accurate, organized account. He wrote it so we can be sure. He isn't criticizing the others uh, in what they have said said and wrote, but nor is he just taking what one of them said, or what a couple of them said. He's investigated and explored You know, if anything, he's standing alongside them, but he's standing alongside them as someone who has gone and done the research. Now, he's passing on what he's heard from others because he wasn't one of the eyewitnesses. But he he aimed to get a thorough knowledge of what happened. He followed all things closely. I think of him as the investigative journalist, gospel writer. Uh, His phone always recording his conversations. Uh, new scraps of information constantly making their way into his filing system, uh, constantly checking and cross-referencing what, he, what he's heard. He has an insatiable appetite. He fills it with every available source. Uh, for some time past, he's been doing it for, for ages. He's heard the details. He's followed them further back in recent history uh, than, than we hear from any of the other Bible biographers. So he's the one who talks to us about about John the Baptist's unusual birth. He's investigated and got those details. Uh, He may well have spoken to Mary uh, because he includes uh, not not just the the stuff around uh, the angel visiting her, but even that little comment near the end of what we read, uh, where he talks about her treasuring uh, what the shepherds told her, or the people in the room, uh, about the angel's announcement. Seems like Luke spoke to Mary or someone very close to Mary. He, he spoke to, he was aware of the circumstances of John the Baptist's birth. He gives us lots and lots of detail. He gives us a thorough and detailed account. And it's an account that is factually accurate. He highlights his accuracy by placing his work alongside what the eyewitnesses have already said. Uh, when he says that he's followed it and reported it closely, he reports the fact he self-consciously is writing history. 
Now there are scholars who, scholars and ministers and friends who read this story as legend or as life tips and spirituality woven into a made-up story. But Luke says, no, he researched. He researched and carefully wrote. He heard what eyewitnesses said, and he wrote what actually happened. He and Theophilus heard reports. Now Luke has researched and written what actually happened. So he says it's accurate, and he says it's organized, uh, orderly, verse 3. He's not necessarily think, saying thing, things in time order. I think that's a, uh, that's a modern preference. But it is orderly. It is deliberate. There are other things he could have included, but he's chosen to mention these things. So that as we read it, we can know what happened, and as we read it, we can know why it matters. Uh, so next week, we'll look a bit at a bit of the Christmas story, and we'll uh, think about uh, what Luke's communicating through it, or why he included it. Just in terms of what Luke is doing, he gives us a thorough, an accurate, and an organized account. He tells us why he wrote it. He wrote it so we can be sure. See that verse 3? Uh, verse 3, he writes to Theophilus. Then verse 4, uh, as he writes to Theophilus, who may have been a Christian, or but certainly has heard about Jesus, uh, Luke says to him, he writes, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. He wants Theophilus to understand more clearly and with greater certainty the message about Jesus. He wants him to be sure. Uh, Like you and me, that's exactly what Theophilus needed. Uh, Whether he was uh, a Christian uh, taking his first steps as one of Jesus' people or a non-Christian who was uh, interested enough to put his mind and effort into finding out whether the things that he had heard are actually true, this is what Theophilus needed. A thorough account means that he can have confidence that includes what he needs to know. An accurate account means that he can be confident it's not just made up. An organized account means that he can see why it matters. So if you're new to Christianity, I think it's helpful to say this. Luke's not taking a leap of faith. He's not making up stories to describe a mystical experience or putting years of philosophical study into a made-up story. He tells us the facts about Jesus, and he organizes them so we can understand them and see why they matter. We need to see that and know that. So we have what Luke wrote. Uh, Luke claims to write what really happened so we can see why it matters. So did he? Does what he wrote fit reality of what happened in history? This is where I think we're following following verses 1 to 4 and saying, does it fit with what happened? He claims to write history. Did he write history? Is it an accurate, a thorough, accurate, organized account that helps us be sure? Well, you know I'm going to say yes. Uh, Over the years, many have read it and have become sure. They become convinced that Jesus is the one man they can trust their life and eternity to. Jesus is the one man who can stand with them and make the day that would otherwise be judgment and condemnation be a day of joy and rescue and forgiveness. Many have found certainty. 
But certainty can be an illusion. A few years back, a, a bank robber um, yeah, heard the story that if you put lemon juice on your face, the bank cameras won't be able to see you. You'll just appear as a shining glow. He was certain it would work. So uh, he robbed the bank with lemon juice still dripping from his face. He was so surprised when the police turned up at his home and said, we've got video footage of you robbing a bank uh, because he thought the lemon juice had meant that the cameras wouldn't work. Certainty can be an illusion. Many have found certainty through what Luke wrote. Should they? Should we? Is it accurate? It's right to ask. See, this is a rub. Luke claims to be to be accurate, and he leaves no room for reading it as an inspiring metaphor, as spiritual ideas mixed up in a uh, in a made up flesh and blood story. Luke essentially claims to write history. We have two options: either it's true or it's false; it's accurate or error. What a surprise! Many who have done the work and gone looking to see how it fits reality. It's just how well it fits, just how good the history is. He did write accurately. He wrote about a time when there were big differences between uh, city and city. Uh, There were big differences from year to year. In his gospel and onwards into his second volume, Acts, Luke identifies the main people in a vast array of regions and cities And he uses the right word to describe their roles and titles. Even when the the title lasted for a tiny amount of time, or or when a ruler was there for a short period, he gets it right. Now, that sounds easy in a world of internet and archives. Not so easy when Luke wrote. In some ways, it's easier for us with with databases of archaeological discoveries to to check to see what was happening in an area on a particular year than it would have been for Luke if he was trying to make something up. But he wasn't making it up. He'd researched. He'd heard from eyewitnesses. He was writing what they told him. There are other ways his accuracy is obvious. CMS a few years ago, uh, someone mentioned the, uh, the proper names that, um, that uh, Luke uses. Uh, they fit uh, what we've now discovered about uh, the, the, the way different names were used in different cities. Uh, the way he describes the different regions and cities fits with what we know from, those, from archaeological investigations. Now, obviously, these are not the most important facts about what Luke wrote. The most important aspect of what he wrote is not names or titles or his knowledge of regional difference, but his knowledge and care in those areas suggests the same thorough knowledge and the same determined accuracy with everything else that he wrote. Another aspect is that what he says fits with what other sources say. Uh, Luke wasn't the first or last person uh, in the ancient world to tell Jesus' story. Uh, some people uh, who actually told bits and pieces of, of Jesus' story just tell us snippets while they're talking about other things. Now, historians love this sort of thing. They're, they're not so excited. They're not as excited about someone who's writing history as when they get to pick up a letter that's written for some other purpose and say, "Oh, look, there's a little bit of history in this." 
talks about yeah who's the the ruler in this city, uh, or they find a receipt um, of a of a transfer uh, of a, a payment made, and it has the the name of the, who the payment was made to. They love those incidental things because they're just coming out of as life was lived. They give enormous weights to incident. So they give enormous weight to incidental insights into history, included when the writer is talking about something else. Think about it this way. Peter's and Paul's and the other letters, they're like that. They're writing with pastoral goals, not historical ones. They want to help churches in their difficulties. But they include bits and pieces that build a picture of the same Jesus who Luke and Mark and John and Matthew write about. And many of those letters were written long before Mark sat down. Who I think sat down before Luke sat down. It's not just Christians who mention Jesus in their writings, though. Non-Christian writers mention Jesus, too. The Jewish historian Flavius Josephus wrote about 70 AD. The Roman historian Cornelius Tacitus, later about 115 AD. Even the Jewish Talmud mentions Jesus. But they're writing things that they have heard that they've researched. And and reading those, you can tell that Jesus lived, when he lived, where he lived, that he was an influential teacher, that he did things that people thought were supernatural, that he was executed, and when he was executed, and who who executed him, uh, that people claimed to see him raised from the dead, that he had a brother called James who was also executed, uh, that lots of people were convinced that he was Christ, Messiah. Before Luke wrote people were telling Jesus' story. They kept telling the same story afterwards. Even those who distanced themselves from Jesus said things that are easiest to explain if Luke and the other New Testament writers wrote what is true. Luke wrote a thorough, accurate, organized account of Jesus. Luke wrote what really happened and we have what Luke wrote. Whether you're going back to revisit the truth you believe and live, or whether you're exploring the truth for yourself or, or, or friends, uh, because seeing life live through the lens of the Bible has made it believable to the point they're thinking that maybe it might be true. Or maybe you yourself are curious to know if it's true. However you're approaching it, or however you're discussing it, The question comes, earlier or later, is it actually true? There's a raft of reasons to be convinced it is. We saw some last week in the way fulfillment pours out. Uh, Months ago, we looked at how what Jesus says teaches us an attitude to the Old Testament and the New Testament. Look today at the confidence we can have in Luke's Gospel specifically, that we have it, that it speaks truth. When we ask, is any of it actually true? The Bible's response isn't, forget about truth. You can just see what you can learn from the story. The Bible insists it is true. The more we look into it, the more reasons we have to be convinced that it is true. We don't need to avoid looking into it. We need to lean in to looking into it. 
The more we look into it, the more reasons we find to say, yes, absolutely, all of it is accurate and true. Let's pray. Oh, great God, thank you that um, in your providence and care of your church, that we do have uh, such good access to your word, the scriptures. Thank you that as we investigate, we can discover how we got it, uh, what we have. Thank you that as we read it, we, we hear your truth. Thank you that that truth <laughs> lines up with the world we live in and the history we're part of. Thank you that you speak what's true. Thank you that we get to share and proclaim what's true. Father, help us to hold firmly to the word that is true and to hold it out to those who don't yet believe. In the Lord Jesus, amen.